Mud Stories, Episode 60. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. Every dream does have an ebb and a flow to it. And in this particular part of your dream, it feels like you say these kind of things. How stupid was I to believe that God would actually let me do this? I must have missed it all together. And because it's not even just small at that point, it was non-existent. And so it just, you know, it was that having passion and having gifts and, and there was just nowhere to express them. I teach on dreams now because of having walked through this when God gives you a dream. And I always uh, say that there's a part of almost everybody's dream that God will challenge the dream to see if you love the dream or the dream giver more. I had inadvertently put my hope in my passion for women, in my calling, in my, my reputation, in my staff role, in my leadership, in my church. And God said, I want your hope to be in me. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. And if this is your first time joining me, I just want to extend a huge welcome to you. And if you are returning here at the Mud Stories podcast, I just want to say thanks so much for taking time to join me again. It's my great hope that you will be encouraged today as we talk about our dreams and how sometimes we feel like our dreams are lost and we can't see that God has any plan to fulfill the dreams that we feel like he's given to us. And that could include hopes or aspirations. It could include our expectations of what we think life should have been. And then we find ourselves facing something that we never expected at all. And sometimes that includes being hurt at church. And Lisa Allen is here with me today. She is the mom to two beautiful grown children and a wife. She is a speaker, a life coach, and she serves with the women over at Proverbs 31 Ministries as an executive director there. And Lisa has so graciously agreed to join me here at Mud Stories to share her story of her dream and how she felt like it died and how, you know, that death occurred in the context of being very wounded and hurt at church by church leadership in a church position. And I know for me, you know, I have served at churches in leadership. And, you know, I think Lisa makes a point in this interview about how, you know, when we are not at church and we're in leadership, we sort of put a guard up against pain because we expect that maybe not everyone will be the most gracious, kind, compassionate, thoughtful person. And yet when we serve at church or we attend church or we're affiliated with the church, we let down that guard sometimes, and we expect that because we all love God and we want to do what's right, 
that we can be more vulnerable and will avoid pain in the process. And I think most of us can resonate with the truth that that isn't so because we are human beings who have a propensity to choose wrongly wherever we are. And so pain can come as a result of interacting and leading and being being involved at church. And Lisa has some beautiful hope to offer us today and some words of encouragement and wisdom, some practical ideas and tips if you are in the middle of being hurt by church Or maybe you are at a place where you thought you were given a dream and it is falling flat. It's not being realized and you just feel nothing and you're wondering why. Why is this happening? I think you're going to find Lisa has some amazing words for you today and I'm just so thrilled she's here. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Lisa Allen. Enjoy. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited that your sweet friend, Wendy Blight, introduced you to me. We got to meet in person at a live event earlier this spring, and I'm just so glad she did. You know, for those of you who don't know Wendy Blight, she was a previous guest on the Mud Stories podcast, and she was on episode 42. So if you want to look that up, you can. Her story of what God's done for her is incredible. But her and Lisa, you guys are real life friends, sisters in Christ, neighbors, community members, church attenders. And uh, it just was such a delight that she introduced you to me. And so I'm super excited to have you as a guest on the show. Oh, thank you. And and I cannot echo those words enough that, um, Wendy, not only are we super good friends, our children went to the same schools, we did um, started a praying parents club together, we started a Bible study together, but what's so interesting is she was also a, a big part of carrying me through my mud story. Oh, I love that. I think one of the reasons I'm so thrilled that you're here today is because I think the topic that we're going to discuss is one that... I think is going to resonate with a lot of people, Um, the ways that we interact with the local church and our ministry groups and ways that we're involved with church and the history of church in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's just so um, tenuous sometimes to interact there. And, you know, it's, we sometimes get apprehensive. Sometimes we are excited and thrilled, but there's also pain. And mm-hmm. so uh, I would love it first, though, before we talk about all of that, which I can't wait for, I would love it if you would introduce yourself to us and just tell us a little bit about you and your family and where you live and what you do. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Um, I am, again, my name is Lisa Allen. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have lived here for uh, probably 25 years, although I'm a northerner from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, I did, uh, I kind of did the 1980s power women um took business courses and all that in yeah. college because that's what women did in those days. And um, and then when I had kids, I have two kids. Connor is 21 and Kelsey is 23. And um, my husband and I have been married for 26 years. And when they were young, when they were born, I, I kind of stopped everything and decided just to focus on raising them. And when I went back into the workforce, um, I had become really committed in a local church. I had really started living an authentic life. And so I, I went back into the workforce, not in business, but in ministry. 
Okay. And, um, and so that's kind of my background. I have a dog, a little Yorkie that I love, PJ, <laughs> that I'm just praying you don't hear on this podcast. But um, Well, PJ is invited. So we will, <laughs> we will, you know, I had one episode where there was a sweet tweeting bird in the background and, <laughs> and, and that bird just sang to us the whole time. PJ is invited, we will well, say. Well, if there's a deer in the backyard, you're going to hear PJ, but we just had one. So hopefully that's at bay for a while. Okay. Oh, North Carolina is so beautiful. And in fact, you are on staff at Proverbs 31 Ministries. Yes? Yes, I'm the executive director of ministry training at Proverbs 31 Ministries. And under my portfolio, I have the fun of leading uh, radio ministry, the speaker team ministry. She Speaks Conference, our Compel Writers Community. And I also speak, um, a traveling speaker and trainer for Proverbs. So I am so so grateful that I get to do that, um, be part of that organization. And by training, um, what I did after I went back to school, after the kids were grown, um, I'm a board certified life coach. Oh, I love that. I think I'd like to do that someday. You would be good at it, Jackie. I can tell. Thank you. Well, you have to know that I am so thankful for Proverbs 31 and for the She Speaks Conference. I attended several years ago and it was so edifying and life giving and just built me up inside. And, and I subsequently joined the compel training when that started. And what you all are doing there is just such a gift to people who want to write better and speak Mm. and, and really make a difference in the world. And so you should be encouraged. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Well, I do passionately believe that no matter where you are, you don't have to be in ministry to have a God dream. I believe that God puts a dream in all of us. And um, some people call it their dream. Some people call it their their calling, their mission, whatever it is. And I just am honored to be part of an organization that kind of helps people um, express their dreams in different ways, whether it's in the written word or the spoken word or even in leadership. Yeah, love that so very much. Well, Lisa, you have a mud story and I know Mm. it's pretty muddy. Mm. And so I'm not sure where you want to start it, but I would love for you to go back, give us some background Mm. and share with us what you've been through and what Mm. that mud looked like for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, one of the things kind of going back to that dream, um, I, I recognized after I left the business world that that's not what I was created to do. It was definitely a J-O-B, but it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't like, oh, can't wait to do this, you know? Mm. And so when I started, I started uh, responding in my relationship with God through a lot of great mentoring um, and leadership through getting involved in leadership in my church and um, in Bible studies and ministries and all and such. And so I, as the, the more I developed in leadership, uh, the more I just felt strongly and, and passionately like this is why I exist. You know, have you ever had that experience? I know, Jackie, you haven't talked to you. You have that aha moment that, that you just feels, feel God's pleasure. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we can be good at something and really effective, but it doesn't meet that passionate need in our yeah. own heart. And so we end up, you know, kind of spinning our wheels with some Mm -hmm. success, but it's not super satisfying because it's not, 
you know, something that we feel called to do, like we were made for this. Exactly. In fact, I, when I train, I always like to say who you really are and your calling is what you do when you're tired. You know, you can scrub up and be strong in a lot of areas and do a really good job, but it's like your calling, your dream is what you, you can't not do it. And I know that's a double negative, but I literally mean you can't not do it. And, um, and so I had started experiencing this, um, and just felt so grateful and so excited that I could express God through my life, through this area of leadership, um, in the church. And, um, so my mud story is, uh, involving church hurt. And I don't know if um, you've ever heard the story, but I had somebody tell me that the reason that sometimes church hurt stings a little bit differently than other hurt is because we learn in the world that we have to be a little bit cautious. And so, you know, we learn in our in our bunco group, you know, I, I can only let myself be so vulnerable or in our PTA or in the boardroom. Um, but yet the expectation is that once you, once you land in a church that you can kind of let your guard down and it's the equivalent of, um, getting, I had a friend who said that they were injured playing volleyball on the beach and they were injured in their ribs because they had stretched out uh, fully to try to hit that volleyball and they landed right on their ribs. And, and they said, church hurt is like that. Cause you're fully exposed. Mm-hmm. You're fully exposed. And, and, you know, you don't even have a chance to, to guard yourself. And so, um, that I want to be really honoring because I'm still at the church. That's the thing. I think that's why, um, I'm so excited to be able to share this story is that the solution that God brings to hurt isn't always to, to leave it. Um, but, but he asked me to face it. Well, let's talk a little bit about the church because maybe not everybody listening goes to church. Uh And so let's, before we start with the pain, let's start with the purpose of the church. Could you speak a little bit to that? And like, what does the church, what do you see as the, the cornerstone purpose of church and why is it we need church in our lives? Well, the church is um, the expression of Christ in the world. It's the body of Christ. Um, and, And I don't mean physically the body, but I mean it's like figuratively his hands and feet. Um, and there's a lot of different things that I'm, first of all, I'm a, a, a preacher's kid and, um, I love the local church. I think that the, that if the local church does their job, right. Um, this world gets so much better mm-hmm. as far as orphans, as far as, um, you know, trafficking, poverty, education, everything gets better when the church does their job. So the church is a, a group of believers who believe in Christ coming together in a unified way to yeah. not only meet corporately, but to edify one another, build each other up, have relationships. Yes. But then out of that love that we've received from God, we are extending that love to the world. And that is the organization that God has chosen to implement on earth as the church. Beautifully said. Right? Beautifully said. We, we, I always like to say that, you know, you, um, you, you fill up on God on his word, worship and prayer and everything that means in the corporate setting of the church. But then you have to go work those spiritual calories off. Yes. And he doesn't, he doesn't want you to, to, to be a fat, happy Christian figuratively. He wants 
to fill up on him and, and spill him over all everywhere you go. Absolutely. So you were in the business world and then you accepted a position working at a church. Is that what happened? That's correct. Okay. And what was your position? Um, I was the women's director at our church. Okay. And give us some background of what kind of church we're talking about. Like, is yeah. this a small, a large, like give, give us some background on that. It would be about uh, a three to 4,000 member church. Okay. And um, at the time that I was in, in leadership there, uh, we had one campus um, working toward two campuses. Now I think they have like five campuses. Um, and so what I would do is I would help um, organize ministries for Bible studies, women's Bible studies. We would do women's events so that people could bring their friends that would never come to church on Sunday morning, but that they might come to something relatable, topical, something that had some shopping involved or something, you know, Ooh, shopping. And- yeah, shopping or eating, maybe <laughs> eating. Yeah, chocolate. We always said chocolate <laughs> and shopping, and um, and so we would bring, uh, we would just bring uh, women in, and we would have conversations about things that weren't always real churchy. You know, we would talk about marriages that are that are um, ready for divorce, and what would a woman do to to just hang in there one more day rather than well, mm. just honor your husband. You know, the Bible says that we had we had conversations around uh, wayward teens and um, how hard it is to be a, a working mom, for instance, and raising children. So we tried to be very relevant mm-hmm. um, and, and show how how God's word is not this old antiquated book, but how you can draw great strength from applying God's word to your life every day. So that was my leadership. I had probably a team of, uh, I think two staff and probably 200 plus volunteers under my leadership. So I'm guessing with that kind of an approach with women in ministry at a church, that was going well because we like to eat and we like to shop. We like to talk about real things and we like to fellowship with each other. So I'm guessing that was going pretty well. It really was. And one of the interesting things about it is um, uh, we our, our corporate um, leadership at our church went through a philosophy shift. And rather than having all these little ministries, we tried to, to do more um, uh, weekend services life groups, and then go give your life away. And less um, less of these individual, like a women's retreat and a women's dinner and a men's retreat and a singles retreat. And, a, you know, because it got, it got really busy and nobody was doing anything really well. So there were big meetings that were happening on campus and they transitioned to emphasizing smaller groups that met in homes called life groups. Is that what you're describing? That's exactly it. Okay. So then there is less opportunity, less of a smorgasbord of choices to just come and attend throughout the week. It ended up people were needing to make decisions and get plugged in really deep with a smaller, smaller group. And so uh, that is hard for people, Lisa, because, you know, those people who are coming to chat and hear somebody else talk about hard marriage, Mm -hmm. they can kind of obscurely sit in the background and maybe get fed and, and encouraged with being sort of incognito or, you know, inconspicuous. But when that's removed and they're forced to put themselves in a group of maybe 10 people in a small home or 20 people in a small home. Wow. I'm guessing that caused some fallout as far as less people being choosing to be involved. 
Well, there was a lot of different fallout. First of all, there was a fallout from not only from people saying, how can you, you know, we had, we had a, um, our women's dinners would reach sometimes a thousand women and they were like, what, what are you guys doing? You know? And, And yet, um, to be very honest with you, Jackie, I, I sensed it was the right thing to do that, that we had a thriving, super, super strong women's ministry, but yet some of the other areas weren't quite as strong. And so what, what, um, what this was doing was asking everybody under the greater leadership of the church to focus on, you know, uh, the corporate worship, large group, life group, and give your life away. which would be our serving. And so where this is where um, things got a little bit complicated for me and things got muddy is that um, you know how um, this was my dream. Um, And I do, I will tell you this, that I teach on dreams now because of having walked through this when God gives you a dream. And I always uh, say that there's a part of almost everybody's dream that God will challenge the dream to see if you love the dream or the dream giver more. And so this was me being challenged. Like, had I fallen in love more with leading women than I had um, just loving God? Um, That's so so good. uh, So that said, um, and I want to be real careful how I say this, the real muddy part came when um, some of the leaders who are no longer at the church or had anything to do with it um, didn't handle this transition in, in a very, um, God honoring way. And so I found myself, um, having to speak some hard truth and, um, and yet it wasn't ready to be received mm-hmm. and then fast forward. And then it all, kind of all came to light and there, and it was very clear that what I, what I had said I was seeing was actually happening. Now it was not illegal. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't anything like that. It was just our humanness. And, but for the grace of God, I've, I've had the same level of pride in other areas of my my life that I experienced here. So I just want to be real careful. Well, we all, we all, none of us is perfect, but your mud began with this conundrum of how this new Mm. Uh, plan was going to roll out and yes. and how it was going to practically be implemented because I'm sure you had women like what we have this thing going like what yes. is the problem and then on the other side you have leadership making decisions that truthfully are your bosses yes. that you're having some apprehension about and yet you're kind of in the middle not able to really tell the women why and yes. yet feeling like, well, do I question the authority and say yes. something? I mean, what a muddy place, Lisa. Well, and my senior highest leader was was and continues to be above reproach. And we have since, um, to- yeah, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. Um, but let me clarify something, too, that, that you brought out when you said it's kind of sort of your bosses were, were making these decisions. I so passionately believe that... Um, that there's something that's uh, like a spiritual law in the church that is um, what I call biblical authority. Now, that's a big fancy word that sounds like most people don't even want to come close to that. 
But my bosses in the church, they were my biblical authority. They were also my layer of protection. That's mm. the way God, it's kind of like a dad to a toddler. Sometimes that toddler has to hear no, and it doesn't make any sense. And the toddler gets really frustrated. But, you know, that toddler knows that that's that that's their protection ultimately and that's what that's what this church these bosses that I had they were my authority so I had to be very careful I didn't want to disrespect them right well and not an authority in the sense of if they were doing something opposite of what God's word says to do or immoral or illegal of course not that you wouldn't just be quiet but but when it's a matter of preference leadership discretion uh vision goals of the organization these are the circumstances you're you're mentioning right that's correct yeah that's correct um, and so, so here's what I found, and this was where the really messy things started for me. I found myself um, put on a shelf, I felt like, with my dream, with God. Um, I found myself going from the passion of women's ministry to um, doing strategies for our African partnerships. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with doing strategies for African partnerships, but if you... <laughs> Jack had asked me, what is the opposite of your dream? That would be it. I was right. just like, I don't, I'm kind of a, you know, like a fancy hotel, not even a fancy hotel, but I am not an Africa girl. You're you not know? a camper. I am not a camper. And so, uh, and so for me, uh, that was my stretching, like God equipped me in that time. But I felt like my dream was just put on a shelf. And, and I had this experience. I remember sitting in my quiet time chair, the chair that the chair that I would talk to God in the morning. And I remember sitting there and, and saying out loud to him, it almost seems like God, that if there was a position like, let's do this one thing for women. It's almost like you would give it to anybody else but me, even though I feel Mm. like you've gifted me and you've called me. And um, everywhere I turned to try to express myself as far as leading women, it was blocked. Wow. And so I felt very um, confused. I felt like maybe I really wasn't a good leader. I felt like maybe I had misheard God. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed with the church that I loved. And, um, and then through this time, Jackie, some of this, some of the things that I had kind of been talking about were starting to come to light. And, um, and yet I had already resigned out of respect. I was just like, I just have to pull out. So you experience this, you know, ripping apart of, of, your passions really. And, and you decided the answer was to humbly resign. Correct. Correct. And you, I couldn't honor my, I couldn't honor my leaders every day. And I just knew like my number one core value is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I just could not be, I had, I had been truthful with several different layers of leadership. I, I expressed caution and concern that I saw some things coming and, um, they weren't quite ready to hear that yet. And I just felt like God was leading me to, to resign. Okay. So you resign and now you're getting up in the morning and spending time in prayer and reflection, meditation in your heart, reading God's word, and you're feeling like nothing. 
I'm numb. He is not blessing you. Yes. You're feeling, you know, this is interesting because I um, spoke a few weeks ago to Emily P. Freeman about this very concept of how we feel like in a place where something is small and we feel like God's not blessing it or it's not growing or it's not becoming big. It sometimes makes us feel like, A, we didn't hear God right, yes. or B, he's not blessing what we thought he had given, and it becomes very confusing and disheartening. And yet he is with us in those small places and small doesn't automatically mean we're not hearing God or we're not in the place where he wants us to be. Yes. Yes. In fact, um, I can't echo that loudly enough that I had gotten to the point, And this is where, when I teach on the dream, the rhythm of a dream is every dream does have an ebb and a flow to it. And in this particular part of your dream, it feels like, um, like you say these kind of things, how stupid was I to believe Hmm. that, 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 that God would actually let me do this. I must've missed it all together. And, um, and cause it's not even just small at that point, it was non-existent. Right. And so it just, you know, it was that having passion and having gifts and, and there was just nowhere to express them. And, and yeah, you can't talk to anyone because you were a prior leader yes. of thousands of people. I'm sure they're calling you up. Hey, Lisa, what's going on with the church? Yeah. Why is the leadership doing this, that and the other? Give me the yes. lowdown, right? Um, in fact, that was a real challenge for me. In fact, and I will say that's probably one of my biggest learnings that, that um, I, I just sensed in, in my heart that God would just say, Lisa, you shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. This is not your story to tell here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I walked a very fine line between, um, you know, saying, you know, God's doing a new thing. I, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, behold, I do a new, a new thing. And I do believe that. Um, but I, what I couldn't say was, and it looks like a lot of us aren't going to be part of it, you know? Mm. Um, and so, but the other thing was that I also learned in this time that it was extremely important to have two or three trusted friends who I could be terribly honest with. Yeah. And that that really, so while I was over here being respectful and, um, and even though it was really hard when I wanted to kind of go, yeah, can you believe this? Um, but I also, if you would have heard me on my couch with the one or two trusted hands I had, it, uh, at all times, it wasn't always thoughtful and kind, but I knew that they were discerning. I knew that they were, um, confidential and that I wouldn't mess with their faith by sharing that. Right. Well, and you also needed people who would tell you hard truths because, you know, when we're hurting and we feel unseen and we feel, you know, disrespected and, you know, not listened to, like our view was not valuable or important at all, it is painful. It's like an assault to not only our character, but our pride and our, you know, there's just, it's just so hurtful. And so I'm thinking, these people who you could really trust, it would be important that they wouldn't just be yes people to you as well. You know, you needed somebody to say, Lisa, your attitude, baby, (laughs) it is off, you know? 
Yeah. And they, the thing I will, I would tell you, my, my friend, Janet, I get to meet her tomorrow morning. We, we see each other less and less, but she was, in fact, it's so funny that you, I think I told you, Jackie, that your mud stories and her calling, she literally gave me a white rag and says, my job with my friends is to help wipe mud out of their eyes so they can see God's work. And so she would, she would speak truth to me, but she wouldn't try to defend, um, the people that I were mad at. So like she, she was smart enough not to do that, but what she would always do is point me to, to God. And she would say, here's what God's word says. Here's what I prayed for you. She would send me podcasts and say, I heard this podcast. I don't know why I thought about you. Mm. And so she would feed me truth. Yeah, but she didn't try to fix me, and she didn't try to say, "Now look at it from their side," you know. Right. And it was the wisest thing because I just probably would have walked away from her at that point if she had, right. you know, tried to do that with me. Well, because you probably had already considered their side. That wasn't right. something you needed someone else to rearticulate to you. Well, I'm, I sure you know. wasn't perfect, but I, I was smart enough and far enough in my Christian journey to know that everything is two sides and that God is always in charge. That's right. That's right. And don't you think sometimes uh, the wisdom that um, God promises is for those of us who are friends to people like you who are hurting. Because, you know, in James 1, God promises to give wisdom generously, Mm. you know, without fault. And, And I just think that it was so wise of your friend to lead you along the path for you to discover for yourself the result that she maybe had in mind that she would long for you to discover, but yes. she didn't directly tell you yes. what you should discover. She led you, helped walk mm-hmm. with you hand in hand so that you could arrive there. Kind of like if you're walking on a path with a friend on a walk and you're not real familiar with the neighborhood and they're not telling you, okay, turn left there, turn right there. You're chatting you're talking, you're walking, but you're just kind of following which way they go by their presence. Yes. And I think that's so key, what you're saying for those of us who can come alongside people who are hurting, who have been wounded by experiences in the church, because um, there's a lot of wounding going on out there, Lisa, Mm. and there's a lot of us needed to come and be that friend that Mm. you needed when you were in this mud. And Jackie, one of the things that she said to me that was a real aha for me as far as the way I minister to other people, she God gave her the wisdom to say this phrase to me, Lisa, I love you not because you go to this church, not because you lead in this church, and even more importantly, not because you just you love Jesus. I love you if all that goes away. If you don't lead anymore, if you don't go there anymore, even if you walk away from Jesus, I still love you. Mm-hmm. I love you because you're my friend. And all of a sudden, it took the pressure off of me to go, oh, I have to be, you know, I'm going to lose my best friend if I don't be careful how I handle this because she let me know I love you. And then she would also say to me, I have enough faith for both of us right now. Oh, I love that. Isn't that awesome? It's that Ecclesiastes 4 verse, you know, two are better than one because a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Yeah. So as she's walking along with you, her and maybe a few others, Mm. how did you possibly hold your tongue and not say anything to all these other hurting people who are devastated by the changes also? Well, um, um, you're, you're making me sound like such a holy person. Um, if you had seen me on the inside, (laughs) 
the words that were coming out of my mouth were on the outside. And that was acceptable to God for a good long time. Just, just self-control, control your tongue, control your tongue. When the real healing started was when he started healing the inside mm. that I didn't feel like I had to um, fake it, you know? So my words were saying the right thing. And I think he honored that because at that, that's all I could bring That's right, right there. Um, but, but that's when the real, when I was ready to, to take the next step of healing is when he, he kind of said, okay, now I want your insides to match your outsides. So what did that and look so, like? Um, well, that looked like a lot of, I started doing, um, I started maybe believing that that dream wasn't going to happen anymore. And I started just moving forward. I had a really wise friend. I call her my dream champion named Julie. And she said to me, you know, Lisa, you've been faithful and, and you've, you've, um, poked at some ant hills to see if you could do women's ministry in other places. And God's just not opening that door. Why don't you just start saying yes to things? Why don't you just start saying yes to things? And not in a way like overcommit and do stupid stuff. And, um, that's when I started, um, my classes to become a board certified life coach. I said yes, two times to leading two teams to Africa and, um, and stretching myself there. I said yes to speaking at sports banquets for boys, you know, but what it, <laughs> I just started saying yes. And all of a sudden God was starting to drop some breadcrumbs <sighs> and, um, it, he put me on to, I don't even specifically, I can't even tell you how this happened, but I, through a series of networking events, um, had reconnected with Proverbs and I was asked to be on the board of Proverbs 31 ministries. That's correct. Proverbs yeah. 31 ministries. And, and so that's where, that's where it ultimately spilled out. But it was in that just saying yes in, in the little things being yes in the ordinary things. I led a, a Bible study for, um, girls in, uh, my son's high school. We would meet on Sunday mornings. And so I, that's pretty much what, what got me going. And again, um, that's when my feelings started catching up with my actions. So did I really want to go to Africa? Not really. I know everybody else is like, yeah, let's go to Africa. And I was terrified of going to Africa, to be very honest with you. I don't even eat seafood and I have the palate <laughs> of a 12 year old and I was afraid I was going to be eating all this weird stuff. Oh. And, and I don't mean to minimize it. It was a an incredible leadership opportunity that changed the kind of leader that I am, but it wasn't my sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. But you got through it. You managed. I did. And I, not only did you manage, but I hear that it awakened some passion in your heart too, oh, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I felt like everybody wants um, uh, to feel purposeful. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it was so good just being able to give out where I was. Again, if it was just three girls on a Sunday morning at Panera for a Bible study, you know? And I think that's really what God was um, when, when I... Um, I always like to say this part of my dream is really more about changing the dreamer than changing the dream. And so I absolutely, he was stripping me of pride. He was stripping me of entitlement. He was stripping me of um, any kind of cockiness. And I don't think I would have ever said I was real cocky or prideful, but when you literally don't have anything and then you can lead a Bible study on Sunday mornings for three teenage girls, it feels so, so, um, special. And I felt so grateful. Well, and it's a lesson you would have never learned had not this situation happened to you. You would still be hosting a thousand women events. 
Correct. You know, and, and so not being in touch with that small side of serving, Mm. um, serving just to serve, not for anything else that is attached to it. I think sometimes in leadership, especially in church, but it could be leadership in an organization or at your job or whatever, the more success that, um, comes with whatever vision or dream that we have, it's, I think it's not that we always intend to become prideful or come to a place where we're like, I've got it all together. Look at this program. <laughs> Things are happening. Aren't I yeah. amazing? Look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just our humanity that we, in a sick way, you know, we gravitate to that and it magnetizes us and it starts to consume us before we even realize it already has. Yes. And I'm not saying that necessarily was the case for you, but I think it's a tendency that we all have that sometimes these these things that are transitions that seem so wounding and so painful, like your organizational shift, mm. becomes one of the greatest gifts that God could have ever given. Absolutely. And so I'd love you to talk about that, how, it, how that became a gift, looking back, because, you know, not always God shows us the ways he works our mud for good, mm-hmm. but a lot of times he's so very gracious in time to let us see his view, a glimpse of his view. And so I'd love for you to describe that view that you now have going mm-hmm. through all of that pain. Mm-hmm. You know, what what did God do? How was it a gift? Well, then. So good grief. I could, I could do another whole podcast on I the know. gift, but one of the things that, that I think was a gift was, um, the ability to cling to God, even when I didn't feel like it. Um, and so in other words that I had nowhere else to go and that was a gift. And I can look back and say, I didn't feel like, I, it's not like when I was meditating and praying, I could go, Oh, that felt so good. I felt like I got nothing, but I just kept showing up. And, and of course I know I was showing up, but God never left. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the other thing is um, to honor um, even when it hurts. That each one of us, whether it's maybe somebody's listening and they're trying to honor a marriage right now and they want to gossip about their husband and you know their marriage is going to end up being fine, but that gossip is going to stay out there about their husband or something. You know, everybody has a way that they can honor even when it hurts. And, um, I, I, that's, that was a gift is understanding that. And, and also I think God blessed my character and my reputation because of it, um, that, that, that he protected it. And then the other thing is, um, understanding that you can be too loyal to human beings and, um, human beings will always disappoint you. And so one of the verses that I really, really meditated on a lot was Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. And um, it says that yet hope returns when I remember this one thing, the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise, the Lord is all I have. And so I, in him, I put my hope and I had inadvertently put my hope in my passion for women, in my calling, in my, my reputation, in my staff role, in my leadership, in my church. And Mm. God said, you know, I want my, I want your hope to be in me. I don't want you to put your hope in those things. So the circumstance stripped you from all of those external distractions. Mm. You know? Yes. And yes. so you decided to show up in your morning chair mm. with nothing. Mm. 
I'm I'm thinking there might be some people listening today who feel like they're waking up this morning with nothing and they're discouraged and they're frankly kind of mad at God. You know, they don't really feel like showing up in the morning chair and offering nothing. They they just really are upset. And and you know, I think pain and unmet expectations cause us to get mad and frustrated because we want our way like that toddler you described you know we want to stomp and have a tantrum and don't you see god what i've done for you don't you see how i've Mm. shown up and you know created a ministry and a vision or created a a organizational growth in my job Mm. or you know don't you see what i've done with my children and how i've invested and look what they're doing to me and why didn't you stop this yes can you help that person today that heart that just doesn't feel like showing up what Mm. what could you say and encourage them well the first thing is um i would say to to try to find that one person um, if, if it's not with God, um, I, I had quite, quite a few fits with God, quite a few fits with God. Um, I was not polite with God. And so, it, and yet he can handle that. Absolutely. He already knows what we're thinking before we say it anyways. So I don't absolutely. know why we pretend like God can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that, it, you know, if you can at least give God your honest frustration, that's first and foremost. Um, secondly is you may need a counselor. Um, you may need someone to help you process this. And there is no, I always say that a girl needs um, a good hairdresser and a good counselor. And, um, and so, <laughs> and I really mean that. I don't think there's, I, I think that there's absolutely no shame if you need to process and then you need a good friend. And so find, there, you'll know who it is. God will just intuitively tell you, um, Hey, I am going through a rough time and I need you. I need to be able to share some things with you. You have to be discreet. You have to be careful who that is. So don't right. just start blabbing it to everyone. Um, but, but, that's what showing up looks like. Showing up doesn't look like um, feeling the same on the inside and the outside. Showing up means going through the things that, that are going to strengthen you in the long term. Right. And that's part of what faith, faith is. You know, we choose to believe that God's word's true because we believe it's true, not because it always feels true. Yes. Yes. Um, I read this book uh, by Wayne Cordiero um, called Running on Empty. And I paraphrase it, but one of the things that he said, he went through a season of burnout and had to pull out of his role for, uh, I think, a whole year. And he said that one of the things that sustained him in that rough, dark season were the disciplines he had already worked into his life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like getting up and exercising, things like reading the Bible, things like, you know, um, eating right, um, continuing to try to find a way to serve somewhere, you know, attending a worship service. If it's not in, in that church, in another church, these are the disciplines that ultimately will sustain you, even though you're not going to feel like doing them. Right. And it won't even feel like they're worth anything at the moment. Correct. And yet over time, that's where the power comes because God uses those things to work change in our heart. But, you know, Lisa, it's really important to have a surrendered heart. I mean, mm-hmm. to choose humility, mm-hmm. um, which you did through self-control and through showing up, don't you mm-hmm. think? Yes. And that yes. counseling that you talked about, I think it's important for people to not be afraid of that and to be mm-hmm. able to find a counselor. I really feel strongly that people should find someone 
who is not only professionally trained with a perspective of um, expertise, but Mm -hmm. also with a perspective of grace. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, um, you know, we can tend toward rules and things to do. And and that becomes a bit futile because then we're just masking up the growth that needs to happen by yes. doing, doing, doing. And really the brokenness and the pain is because we need to heal our way of being. Yes. You know, and, and so while some counselors can offer things we can do, you know, some mm. cognitive therapy, I think a grace-based approach um, and really absorbing God's love for us is not changing based on our circumstances. Absolutely. You know, you said something important that I want to go back to, too. You mentioned the word heart and, you know, Proverbs 4, 23 says the guard your heart for out of it, out of your heart flows the wellspring of life. And that literally mean out of it flows your, um, your, breath, your boundaries, um, your everything. And that's why it's so important to guard your heart. And that doesn't mean guard your heart like the world tells you to guard it to say to toughen your heart, to harden your heart. Guarding your heart is for me, I had to fight to keep it, keep it soft. I had to fight to make sure that God could keep my um, heart like like um, soft clay in his hands. And I would literally ask him to massage my heart because I could tell I was getting cynical about mm. some things. And so, you know, ask God, that's the best prayer to say, help me guard my heart. I had to block some people. I didn't unfriend them, but I blocked them on Facebook because it wasn't healthy for my heart yeah. to see some of the things that were happening. So do what you need to do to guard your heart. Yeah, that is so key. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned you are a certified life coach. Can you explain to us the difference between um, getting help from a counselor mm. and maybe what a life coach could offer? Yes. Maybe in a situation of pain or hurt or if there's not somewhere we that, you know, someone feels like they can turn. Mm, great. What a great question is typically, typically counseling um, looks backward and helps you unpack some things um, that might be painful from your past. And um, you might need to go backwards a little bit before you go forwards. Usually, um, whenever there's a counselor and um, a counseling patient, the counselor is the expert. Now, life coaching. Life coaching is about moving forward. Life coaching is about moving forward, and the, um, the client, the coaching client is the expert. The coach comes alongside of them to pull out with some activities and some meaningful questions what's in there mm. in order to create a pathway to move forward. And so whenever I do a pre-coaching interview, if I sense there's a lot of bitterness and past hurt, I always ask them to go to a counselor first. Okay. Okay. That's so helpful to know. Mm. Yeah, because after that, healing does take place after time has happened yes. and resolution comes, you know, it's it's good to know that life coaching is an option after that, but it's so key to get that key help prior to, yes. you know, using life coaching yes. at all. Yes. So good to know. Well, Lisa, tell us now what has happened since, you know, this mud happened and you were wrestling with God. You mentioned you were asked to be on the board at Proverbs 31 and some subsequent things have happened. Can you catch us up with what, yes. what God did through through the mud that you faced? And I 
think that you're still attending or maybe throughout all the mud did attend that same I church. Did. I did. And, um, and I would say, let me just talk about the church for a moment. I think the biggest thing that God, um, showed me was he, um, God wants us to walk in a godly confidence. And if I had, had been slinging mud and acting, um, as my sinful heart wanted to, um, I would not be able to walk in godly confidence and character in my, in my church. Mm -hmm. And so what I have is the ability to attend any day, any time, and to hold my head up high, not because I did it, but because God gave me the grace to walk in a really messy, messy place. And um, that, that means the world to me that, that our family is, um, you know, that there's, it, so if we ever would leave at this point, we leave well. And, um, and I don't plan on it. We're, we're there. But I just, I think God, he wouldn't have wanted me to leave in the mess because that wouldn't be really, really good closure. Um, but, and then he so, so graciously um, placed me in a role at Proverbs 31 Ministries when they've just been growing by leaps and bounds. And um, not only do I get to do what I love to do, th that I used to do for local women, now I get to do it on a, a, a national scale. And um, that verse I referred to earlier was Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And it says, forget the former things, for behold, I do a new thing. And one of the things that that literally means in the Hebrew text is if you think what I was doing then is good, you just wait. You just wait. It doesn't mean forget all that. It's not important anymore. It means if you, if you saw my hand move there, you wait. And I feel like that's what I'm living because I, I am so grateful. Like we just had our She Speaks conference, like I told you, you mentioned the other yes. day. And it is five straight days on your feet, no sleep, crazy exciting. And all I could say in my exhaustion was thank you. Thank you. I, I don't ever, ever take for granted that I have to do something. I say I get to do this. I get yeah. to do this. I get to work late tonight. Uh, uh, you know, and so it's shifted my perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. So grateful. Yeah. Well, it brings a level of gratitude that you might not have recognized before, right. you know, because you've been in hard places. And I think that's what our mud does for us. You know, mm. so much of the time we just feel like, oh, do I have to go through this mud? Lord, why? Mm. You know, why is this happening to me? I don't understand it at all. And oh. and yet we're going to come out changed people with perspectives that we never would have had had we not been through what we've been through. Mm. Well, and again, I echo that when we go through our mud and, and usually our mud is related to some part of our, of our life dream, rarely does it have as much to do with the dream as it does the dreamer. God is always refining and building into us in ways that we, we don't always understand. Um, but I am definitely, definitely more gracious. I am more kind. I'm more loving. Um, and I think I, it's because I understand understand what it's like to sit on the other side of something very quietly. Yes. Well, we cannot conclude this conversation without talking about forgiveness. Mm. Because uh, I know personally some friends who have gone through some really painful church leadership situations. And I think 
forgiving, we know, is more for our own hearts Mm -hmm. than for the hearts of people who've hurt us. Mm -hmm. And yet it's such a challenge and so difficult. I wonder if you could just give us some insight and some wisdom with the situation of being hurt, being Mm -hmm. offended, being wounded by someone who maybe even doesn't even realize or recognize or admit or acknowledge Mm -hmm. that they wounded us, even if we've gone to them and said so. How can we work through forgiving? How can we resolve, you know, a situation with someone we've maybe had tension with in leadership at church? Mm-hmm. And um, what in your experience did that look like for you as far as resolution? Well, I I was very honest. And so I think that um, the more honest you can be with another person in relationship, whether it's in your church or in your family, um, you know, as long as it's done in love in the right way, you can speak some hard truths and, and should and should speak them. Uh, but for me, the forgiveness is um, whether it's the church hurt that I went through or the forgiveness that I face every single solitary day. Um, I have to always view forgiveness in shadow, in the shadow of the cross, not in the shadow of the offense. Yes. And what that means is um, the offense can be terribly offending. I mean, I'm aware that there could be some women on this call that are contemplating forgiving an abusive father. Um, and so, yeah. uh, or, or uh, somebody that's taken advantage of them, that's horrific. And if you, if you view forgiveness, forgiveness in the shadow of the offense, it will seem like it's impossible that there's, there's no amount of forgiveness that can be worth the weight of the offense. Right. But if you shift the view and view forgiveness in the shadow of the cross. In other words, what Jesus did on that cross was the forgiveness for me forever, for each and every one of us forever and ever. And and yes. he he was sin, the, was the sinless one. He came and and willingly laid that down, laid down his life for me. Mm-hmm. And when I when I view forgiveness in that shadow, um, it shifts the perspective. If I if I I can't look at forgiveness in terms of the person or the offense because I will always in my human nature justify why I didn't deserve it. And so I, I, but I shift that same thing. I don't deserve the cross either. I don't deserve the grace that the shed blood of, of Christ gave me. And so that will, will constantly shift my perspective. And also we don't forgive because, because we feel like it, you know, rarely it's been years and and it's just now to the point where I don't feel any twinge whatsoever. And mm-hmm. recently I had a past thought and I had a twinge of kind of bitterness like, well, yeah, look what they did. And and Jackie, God grabbed me so fast in my spirit <laughs> and he said, "You have worked too hard, Lisa. Don't even crack the door open. Don't even crack it open." Yeah. And um and so I fought for forgiveness. And so if you're out there fighting for forgiveness, you do it for for Jesus and you do it for you. You don't do it cuz it's easier comes naturally. That's right. And I'm so thankful that you shared that because I think a lot of us get caught in our healing process right there. Mm. You know, it's one thing to move on, change our circumstances, change our environment, change our church. We can, you know, sort of put Band-Aids all over the hemorrhage. Yes. But it's still bleeding internally until that forgiveness is a choice. It really is a choice. It is. And it takes time, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, how many years are we talking from the time that you resigned to even today? Let's see. This is 2015. Eight years. See, so that wasn't like a week-long endeavor. Oh, gracious. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. So and, we and need to be patient with ourselves. That forgiveness that I told you that I just wrestled with when God said, don't you dare go back there, that was within the last month. See, there you go. So, you know, I just want everybody listening, whoever you are, to be encouraged to know, give yourself grace and time and patience. And Lisa, I just can't thank you enough for coming and sharing this story, because I think there's a lot of people who are having some hard spots at church and and not only church, but wherever they are living, um, just feeling marginalized or unseen or not appreciated or not able to live the dream that they thought they had, they had grabbed. And um, it's really ultimately not about us. It's about God. He has a ultimate plan for our lives, much beyond what we can comprehend sometimes. And so that trust, just showing up, living life with some real people who can speak truth to our hearts and choosing really to humble our hearts and surrender to whatever God gives Amen. is what I'm hearing you say. So, Amen. Can I end with just a uh, quick scripture? I would love that. Okay, um, this scripture gives me such excitement. It's um, Psalm 62, starting in verse 5, and it says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He's my rock and salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. And I did a little bit of a word study on the word hope in there. And that word hope can also be interchanged with the word expect, that we can expect God to be our rock and our salvation. We can expect to be able to trust him at all times and pour out our hearts to him. I love that. And it reminds me of, I grew up in the Central Valley of California, where Mm. we have a lot of fog. Mm. And so in the wintertime, you know, we didn't have snow, but we had foggy days. So people don't Mm. go to school when it's foggy. But um, (laughs) the reason I'm mentioning it is because it reminded me this expectant hope Mm. is like driving on a country road on a foggy day, foggy evening, whatever, morning, night, whatever. You can only see about four or five dashes of the yellow line ahead of you as you're driving. So you're driving slow and cautious, but you can know and expect you're going to get to where you're going because the road's going to take you there. You just can't see the whole distance of the road ahead. You can only see those first dashes along the way. And that's what I'm hearing you say, you know, to really hold on to the truth that God is who he says he is. And, you know, we read his word sometimes to really grasp who he is, Mm. his character, so that we can know those promises, what we can trust in. And then, you know, that's the, the hope, this expectancy that we hold on to when we're in the fog, when we're in the mud to Mm. know, okay, we're just going to show up. We're going to have our people with us. We're going to have a humbled, surrendered heart. And I'm just going to rely on the two or three dashes in front of me that he gives. And Mm. I'm going to trust that we're going to go where we're supposed to go because he's leading us along the way. And Uh. And um, I just can't thank you for pointing that out. I think Psalm 62 is, I mean, there's so many scriptures that are like Mm -hmm. that in Psalms. But um, this whole entire year, I've been in the Psalms. I've been reading one a day and just rewriting, you know, the verses in that particular Psalm that Mm -hmm. speak to me in my journal. And 
it's just been a rich experience. I haven't done any fancy Hebrew study much Mm. at all, but just being in the Psalms is so rich um, and edifying. And so if you're hurting today, if you're wounded, I'd encourage you just open up the Psalms and just Mm -hmm. start start reading there and they're pretty simple to understand and and written by people who have been in pain you know David was yes. in a ton of pain when he was being chased by Saul writing a bunch of those psalms so yes. I love that Psalm 62 I'll put that up in the show notes so people can make sure and get a copy of that so terrific Lisa how can everyone continue to hear from you and what you're doing and your ministry your coaching mm-hmm. where can they find you online if they want to keep track of you well, um, I, I think that you're going to put some of my, my social media stuff, if that, you know, along Absolutely. with the show notes. Absolutely. But yes. um, Proverbs31.org. Um, and I have something exciting. We just launched this amazing um, Bible app called The First Five. Oh, and, yes. Uh, you can set your little alarm clock in the morning. So the first thing you put your mind on is God's word rather than Facebook and email and texting, which is what I'm so horrifically guilty of. Yes. And, raising my um, hand over here. Yes. Me too. And so <laughs> it, it's just a great way. You can stay connected to me at Proverbs31.org. You can jump over at my website at um, LJ Allen Coaching. Dot com and um, and I would just I am a social media I love being on social media so please interact with me there and uh, just tell me what God's doing in your mess. What's your favorite one, Lisa? Um, I like Twitter at LJ Allen twenty um, and the same that same handle is uh, what my what I am on Instagram and I'm starting to like that more and more as well. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, I love Twitter too. I think because it's quick and transactional, kind of like texting, and it can yes. be in real time too. Um, yes. and so super fun. So, all right. Well, I will link to all of that definitely in the show notes so everybody can find that and. Um, Lisa, thank you so much. We are cheering you on for all you all are doing over there at Proverbs 31 and also in your own personal mission in speaking and um, writing and coaching. So I loved all you shared when I went to that live event and it was just super inspiring. And so I hope that, you know, if they want to look up your speaking schedule and catch one of your events, they can do that as well. That would be great. I'd love, that's my favorite thing in the world to do is is to join women in other cities and, and talk about God. So. So thanks for having me, Jackie. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my privilege. I loved it. Have an amazing day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. I'm so thankful to Lisa for joining us, and I hope that you picked up something along the way in that conversation that will encourage you in very practical ways as you face maybe the loss or disappointment of a dream materializing in the way that you'd hope that it would, or maybe you've experienced some pain as a result of interacting at church. And I know that God wants to meet you right there in your deepest, darkest place, and He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to, you know, cheer you on with an expectant hope that He has amazing things ahead. And, um, And yet in that place, as Lisa talked about, it is just so very hard. I want you to know today uh, I have prepared the show notes for you. And so if you want to um, 
click through on any of the links that were mentioned by Lisa, you can go to the show notes page at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 60. And you can find everything there that Lisa talked about ways to connect with her. Also, if you would like some of the quotes or notes from this episode, you can text the words episode 60 with no spaces to the number 33444. And a text will come back to you with instructions on how to leave your email. And I will email those show notes. It'll be a PDF directly to you for free. And I hope it blesses you. I know there were a lot of things that Lisa said that I was writing down as I listened back and just so encouraging to know, number one, that we're not alone. And number two, we always, always can trust that God has a plan and that he wants good for us, even though it doesn't feel like at the moment that it is good. And so I'm with you, friend, no matter what you're facing today, you are not alone. And I know Lisa would echo that as well. Thank you to those of you who left some ratings and reviews over at iTunes last week. I was greatly encouraged by your words. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would so greatly appreciate it if you would go over to iTunes and leave a rating or review. It helps so much, you guys, for people to find this show and to be inspired by these mud stories. I just don't want anyone to feel alone. I got several emails this week thanking me for the guests that we have on this podcast. And I really am encouraged by your words when you reach out like that and write a rating or review or send me an email because I do this for you. I do it so that we cannot feel alone in our mud because it's so very hard. And so I just hope that you're all encouraged today and it would bless me so to either hear from you or for you to go over and write a rating or review. And you can do that by going to iTunes. Just log on to your iTunes account and search Mud Stories and it'll be right there. You can also get there by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. Don't forget, I have a free app for this podcast. If you'd like to download it, you can go to any you know, place where you get apps, either the app store or the play store if you're on Android and just search the word mud stories and it'll come right up. It's totally free. And every time an episode is released, that app updates and it's an easy way to remember and find this show so that you cannot miss an episode. And also, if you would like to receive a free audiobook today, I know I love listening to audiobooks in the car, and it's a way I can read while I'm driving or cooking or cleaning or exercising, whatever it is. I'd love for you to be blessed by getting a free audiobook today. And all you have to do is go to mudstoriesbook.com and sign up for a free 30 day trial. And when you do, you will get a free download just with absolutely no commitment. You can cancel at any time, and a portion of that goes to help support this podcast. And so I'd greatly appreciate it. I'd love for you to get blessed and I'd love to have the support uh, for this show because to be honest, it's not completely free to produce this show. And so uh, any way that you can help and that you can be blessed and help the show at the same time, I think is a really good fit for all of us. I appreciate each and every one of you so very much, and um, it's my greatest desire for you to know today, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been, or what lies ahead, may you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in Marble feels a press upon my mind I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and an 
find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place Feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing.